Hey, this is Nathan James from Glorious, and you're listening to Jay Scott, the Hook Rocks podcast. everybody welcome back to the hook rocks i'm your host jay scott hope you're doing well hope you're getting ready for the weekend it is upon us it is here and we've got a great new episode for you today before we get into it i just wanted to mention that we are part of the pantheon podcast network a great family of music related podcasts you can check out all the old and new Hook Rocks podcast on PantheonPodcast.com, as well as uh, wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify or Amazon, we're on every platform for you to listen. And you can also check out some other great podcasts too, as well on Pantheon, such as Carmen of Peace and Vinny Apice, the Hanging and Banging podcast, Shout Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus, Mistress Carrie, and many others. Don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get all the latest and greatest Hook Rocks podcast episodes. And enjoy. Enjoy our latest episodes, such as the uh, last episode we just did, which was about Teen Cancer America, the Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend-sponsored charity, the Real Me podcast. And then, of course, earlier this week, we welcomed Phil Lewis from L.A. Guns talk about their new album checkered past you want to pick that up too as well when that comes out uh, or it is out here uh november 12th this friday next guest i'd like to welcome in another great new music spotlight looking forward to doing this here now for the past few days it is weed and the band is called the odd even what's going on man how are you hey i'm good man thanks for having me i appreciate you doing this man thank you very much Hope you're having a good day. Welcome yeah. aboard to the Hook Rocks. Absolutely. We always start the same way every time we have a first-time guest. It is the essence of the show. It's what we're all about. Just like every great rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance, that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Oh my God, we're going to the Wayback Machine. Um, so 
story goes, my uh, my brother, who's 18 months younger than me, was was playing guitar at a pretty early age. And when I got to the uh, you know my early teens, I would pick up his guitar and plug it in and bang on it. Didn't know anything I was doing. He'd run and tell my parents that I was uh, you know being an ass and, and messing up his guitar. And and I finally talked him into going to going to get me a guitar, rented one. I went into the store and I said, uh, I said, you know, I, I said, the guitars are cool, but I really like that one over there. And the guy said, well, that's not a, that's not a guitar. That's a bass. He said, why do you want that? I said, that looks like the thing that Nikki six plays. And it was a BC rich warlock. And that, I was kind of hooked uh, with the whole Molly Crew thing back then. I remember that warlock. The first time I saw that was when they did the U S or the us festival. And yep, that's, that's exactly right. It was white, I think it was, right? Uh, I think it was black, actually, at that time. But he did have, he had a white and a black one. The white one looked, uh, over the years, got a little little bit more beat up and had some blood and all that craziness on it as the uh, as the month went by. But, but yeah, just just a really striking, striking instrument. I remember looking at that going, man, that thing is bad. <laughs> Whatever that is, I want to play that. No, that's a that's a really cool story. So where did it go from there? After you got the Warlock, uh, what what other influences did you have when playing bass? Uh, so I mean, I was obviously you know a big fan of of you know coming up. I, I think what what I really liked always was you know the hard rock feel. So I mean, you know, totally Doug Zeppelin, Sabbath. Got into the eighties, you know, kind of the hair metal thing. Really, really dug that a lot. Um, and then just if I kind of look at the whole rock and roll side of things, it's it, it's always been something with an edge, something that was cool. Um, you know, in the 90s, got into the alternative stuff, you know, really dug stuff like Jane's Addiction, Rage Against the Machines, uh, you know, certainly like Pearl Jam, all, all the big boys, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. And then if you keep going, you know, through the, the new metal stuff, you know, you know, people like, uh, you know, Saliva, definitely dig Nonpoint. You know, and, and fortunately, I've had a chance to, to play with some of these great bands, and uh, it's just been been a great ride. I mean, anything that comes out that's cool, I'm I'm all about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when did it become the moment that you wanted to get get up on stage? You know, when did it become from playing in your room and doing all that to be playing in front of a crowd of people and, and being in a band? I think that was actually first. Like, like I didn't really care about being good. <laughs> I was kind of put me on stage. Let's see what happens. And uh, kind of funny. My my first gig was actually in this tiny little town right outside of DC, a place called Garrett Park, and they they put us on at a Fourth of July festival. And I, I used to race BMX all over the country. And my my first band was comprised of all guys that that raced BMX, and uh, a couple of them were were decent. The drummer was good. And the guitar player is good. They've been playing for a while. Uh, but, you know, I, I could barely play the 10 songs we played. And um, I think we were, we were too loud and too whatever. And, and, and the town council actually had a meeting, and I was banned from playing within the corporate limits. And, and I think that was, that was it. I was like, man, that is, that's exactly what rock and roll is all about. I already got banned from somewhere on my first show. So I was, I was all in at that point. <laughs> So you specifically got banned, not the rest of the band, just you. No, no, the, the, everyone did. But okay, was, right, the, okay. Uh, I, so was, I was like, that's even more badass. Like you're the only one that got banned. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I was uh, I was the local tide of that town and uh, knew some of the people there and stuff. And so, you know, I, I certainly went down the the, uh, the the hardest as it would be. But as, as the story goes, it was uh, we'll have no more of weed play within the uh, in the in the town limits. <laughs> so it was a great way to start things off. That's great. That's a great story. So, how did you? Uh, how, how did Odd Even become you know a band? How, well, where was the start with you guys? Yeah. So uh, my guitar player Et and I have been playing together for years. Now he wasn't wasn't all the way back in those first bands, but believe it or not, there is a tie-in. That guitar player that I was just referencing a minute ago, Scott Lowe, was went to school with Et, and uh, we joined a band. I don't know, probably two or three years later. And we've probably played over the years and I, God, I don't even know, you know, 10 different bands, 12 different bands, whatever it might be. Um, and we had, you know, parted ways for a while. I was playing with a, with a funk groove band called Papa Shake and he was doing some reggae stuff. He was down in the Caribbean for a while. And uh, when he came back, we just started talking about, you know, writing and, and, and getting back to, you know, our rock and roll roots and stuff. Um, we joined another hard, hard rock band for, I guess it was about a year and we went out and, you know, did some road dates and stuff with them. And, and, and we started writing a whole lot of the songs and we just decided to break off. And at that time we were, we were kind of talking about, you know, concept and, and direction and all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, we sort of know where we wanted to be with the, the hard rock sound. And, uh, I was adopted at the time. Uh, my wife had, had recommended that I go to Ancestry DNA to see, you know, what if there was anything there as far as, you know, preconditions for, for health and all that stuff, since I didn't know, you know, my actual parents. And uh, I actually spit in the vial three different times and came back with no results. And so E.T. said to me, he said, wow, that's, that's really odd even. And, and the name kind of stuck. And then, you know, sort of somewhere along that same time, we said, well, if you don't have any human DNA, they can't get a read. You know, you must be an alien. And, and we just kind of went with this whole the odd even and alien theme. And, and here we are. <laughs> it's like an episode of the X-Files. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I was actually a little bit concerned. I was like, why aren't they getting any reads? <laughs> but, hey, I'll take the alien thing. It's kind of fun. So it's all good. Great. So as the band formed and the band started to move forward, um, you know, you guys settled on the theme of the band and, and the direction. As far as the collaborative process, how is that for you guys? Well, it continues to evolve. I mean, E.T. and I write, write a lot of the songs. We come up with the main riffs. Uh, you know, Rob Weiser, singer, he, he always contributes, uh, you know, to the, to the lyrical structure and the melodies and all that. But it normally starts with, you know, some type of idea. Um, I think we've probably got, I don't know, somewhere between 90 and 120 songs that are almost ready to go, um, which are, you know, just riffs that get developed. It can be, you know, a riff or a song idea or a melody or whatever it might be. And uh, the beauty of, of, you know, writing music in 2021 is that, you know, it's very easy to share ideas. It's not like in the past where, well, I got to wait till we get to band practice or get to the studio to, to you know, get this stuff to the other guy. You can you say, hey, look, here's an idea at 12 noon, and by 12:30 you can get thumbs up or thumbs down, or you know, additions to the to the song, <laughs> whatever it might be from the other guys just by sharing files. So, so that's really cool. I mean, as far as uh, you know, how we've evolved when we when we first got together, 
we started booking shows like right away. And I think we were together for maybe, maybe it was like four weeks, maybe. Um, and we had a show booked with uh, Faster Pussycat and Bang Tango. And so we were kind of scrambling to, you know, kind of <laughs> finish these songs and get them, get them ready to go. We did that and we played, we went out and did some shows on the road with Nonpoint and Soulfly. And we played with the guys in the last in line, the Dio guys. And, um, you know, after that, it was, it was, hey, let's go into the studio and record. And we did the first record, Space Juice. Um, and we put, you know, we had a, a date slated for April of 2020 and, and the whole world fell apart. So, you know, a lot of our plans for going out and, and, and you know, doing things on the road and stuff certainly changed and allowed us to continue to write and develop. And, and uh, what you see from the, the pandemic is, is what you got on Dance of the Dead record. How difficult was that, you know, to have an album that's been worked on and, and, and released and, and all of a sudden, you know, the outside world just kind of goes to shit and you're kind of stuck. You can't really tour because nothing's open. You can't really do anything. How did that affect the creative process for this album? And I, I think the hardest thing was just keeping the pedal to the metal. Um, you know, it, it's very easy to go, you know, what are we doing this for? What's out there? And, and a couple of things happened during the pandemic, which, uh, you know, which, which I'm very proud of, actually, is, is that, you know, we were able to keep it together. We were able to, you know, share files if we didn't get together in person. You know, I mean, when this thing was at its, its height, I mean, we're, we're all in our recording space going, is this space big enough? Does that guy have COVID? Are we all going to die? And we're kind of staying in the corners with our masks on, you know, as far away as we possibly could be. And, you know, everyone's looking at that microphone. Did he sing in that microphone laugh? I'm not touching that thing and, and all this weirdness. And um, so we really persevered. And, and you know, like I said, I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that, that we kept it together and we're able to be very creative and very productive during that time and come out swinging on the other side. Um, the other thing that really helped us out is, is we started, you know, reaching out to different, different areas and different connections that we had and said, you know, what can we do to take this to the next level? And so from that first record, you know, we're sitting on this brand new record. We got nowhere to go play it. We're getting shows canceled left and right, and they're being postponed. And uh, we started talking to the guys at Pavement, and they said, hey, well, let's, let's talk about marketing this. Let's get this, you know, we really like some of these songs. Let's get this out and get this on the radio. And they got it on the charts and started getting this buzz going, which was, which was great because, you know, as we were working on that next record, they said, hey, look, you know, we, we really dig what's going on here. Let's talk about putting this actually on the pavement label, which, uh, you know, we signed a deal with those guys and, and did that and, and, you know, came out swinging on the other side. So it was uh, it was certainly difficult, but, man, we got a lot done, uh, you know, during the time that, that, that could have been just you know, sitting around going, oh, man, that's really depressing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. H how did – this experience, I mean, you guys were making music before, obviously with Space Juice in 2020, you know, Dance of the Dead, you start working on this album. Like we talked about, there's so much going on outside in reality, whether it's COVID, whether it's the toxic election, whether it's protests, there's a whole bunch of stuff happening. How did that affect the tone of your music or did it at all? Um, I don't know. I mean, Maybe somewhat. I, I think it made us more just like hungry to you know, you know get to the end of the tunnel. Uh, but sort of the theme of that kind of goes back to the first record, Space Juice, is sort of you know 
stand up and fight for yourself and, and, you know, do something out there, be positive, be productive. And then this record is kind of more, maybe more reflective. It's, uh, you know, I guess it kind of goes back to some of those tones of like, what are we doing here? You know, am I alone? What's next? Um, and, and it all ties into that whole alien theme. You know, are, are we the only things here? Well, you know, none of us think that we are in the band. And so we write about it and, and sort of, you know, what, what forces are pulling at you negatively or positively. And, and those are some of the themes that are very prevalent on the record. That's so interesting because I think a lot of artists and I think a lot of bands are afraid to tackle those types of subjects in the way that you guys do, you know, being reflective, having that philosophical theme or the deep, you know, rooted, you know, defining, you know, thoughts that you question and, and where you're headed. That's, that's really tough to, to incorporate and have people have it resonate with people. And with your music, it definitely does, which is, you know, a, a big kudos to you guys that you're able to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's surprising, but it's, it, it's worked really well for us and it's, it's a relief and it's, uh, you know, it, it, it fuels our creative juices as it would be. And, um, yeah, we've really, really kind of dug what we're doing. I mean, a whole lot, as I mentioned before, you know, until a few years ago, we, we weren't playing hard rock and it's, it's great to come back to that whole, you know, kind of what we came up on and then, and then really have a, a direction and a purpose for, for what we're doing, where we're going. Do you feel that, you know, this being the core de- de- defining sound of odd even, do you feel like there's limitless possibilities or do you feel that maybe perhaps that you may be stuck in this type of type of music if you, if you're not evolving, how do you feel about that? Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, we're going to try to stay true to the hard rock thing, but we've got so many other influences that, you know, I can see it going in, in a number of different directions. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's no surprise if people compare us to, you know, say, hey, you guys kind of sound like Alice in Chains. And I'm always like, you're not hurting my feelings at all. You know, I'm like, hey, that's one of the greatest bands of all time. That's that's great. Um, but I, I think it's kind of, you know, hey, whatever we feel like doing, if it works, let's do it. Um, there's some different sounds on the new record, and it still sounds like the odd even. So I'm okay with that. You know, I, I don't think we're going to go, you know, way off the scale and start trying to do something like, you know, some crazy punk disco album or something like that. But, but at the same time, I mean, we've all been around the block a bunch and if it makes sense and it fits and it feels good, then I think we're, you know, pretty open with, with saying, let's, let's do it. Um, you know, there's a little bit of an evolution from, from space juice to dance of the dead. Um, and one of the cool things on this last tour when we were out, um, you know, I told you we've got a catalog of songs ready for the next record yeah, we were sneaking a song or two in here or there, and um, it was great. You know, the audience response all over the country was was really cool, and and even even cooler than that was you know the guys in Edema and Flaw who we were on the road with were coming over and going, man, hey, what was that new song? You guys haven't played that one yet. And they're like, man, I love that song, and and you know, so we we stick it in the set the next night or whatever it was, and so, but yeah, man, I think the, it's kind of limitless, and uh, but you know, we're gonna stay the course and, and see where it goes. When you mentioned that people compare you to Alice in Chains and it seems like you guys embrace it, is it important to embrace that 
you know, the, the, the definition of who you guys are instead of like some bands try to try to run away from being compared to an artist from the past. Is that important for you guys to, to, to embrace it and, and acknowledge it and, and, you know, still be who you are? I mean, that's what humans do. I mean, people try to categorize things. So, Hey, if somebody wants to tag us with, with one of the greatest bands or one of the bands that we like the most, that, that that's fine. I mean, we're not striving to be Alice in Chains, uh, but, but Hey, I'll take that comparison any day. I mean, if you see a beautiful girl or, or, or a, you know, a, a car you like or whatever, and somebody all thinks that's, that that's great. And you're shooting for that. Then, then who cares? You know, I mean, it is what it is. You're just comparing me to something wonderful and great and perfect. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, I mean, we're not looking for it, but, but believe me, there could be worse things to be compared to than, than Alice in Chains. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It is, you know, I always do it too. You know, I'm always trying to get people in, involved or interested in new rock, new bands. And it's kind of human nature, but like, you're right. We always do it. We, we compare today's artists with what people may like, like, Oh, Hey, you like ACDC. You should check out this band. Oh, you like Alice in Chains. You should check out this band. I know some, right. some artists may not like that, but let's face it. Rock and roll is, is experiencing a resurgence right now, but for a long time, it was taking a back seat to other genres and it still kind of is in a way, but I do feel that in my opinion, rock and roll is more popular now than it's been in the last 15 years. Um, right. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely coming back. I'm with you. Yeah. And it's a great, and, and I think, and I mentioned this a lot, you know, my listeners have, I've heard this before from me and me having a 16 year old son keeps me close to what people his age are listening to. Cause I, I love the new bands. I love, you know, my, my, the bands I grew up with, but he always, he said something really interesting that, you know, kids who may have gone into the pandemic listening to pop music or rap music, when you're at home and you're e-learning and you're doing the same things every day, you start to look for change. You start to look for something different. And also because you're 16 years old and you're doing the same things, it's also a lot of angst that's created. Well, what's a better rep- uh, re- uh, recipe for rock and roll than angst and a young kid wanting something different? So yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think with a band like yourselves and, and, and uh, you know, what you guys are doing I think right now is, is the best time to be in a rock band because it's really starting to surge. You're seeing some of these artists get on, you know, billboard charts and starting to chart and be on these tours and these tours are selling very good. So I think, yeah, I think it's way better than it was in 2019 prior to the pandemic. And I think a lot of the resurgence is because of the angst of a teenager saying, I'm tired of this pop right. music. I'm tired of this rap music. I need something different. What's speaking to me right now? And I think rock and roll is, yeah. that, is that voice. Yeah, I, I agree. I have a 12-year-old son, and, and you know, he's, a, he's all into skateboarding and stuff. And, and, and I think you're sort of right. You know, there, there's a whole lot of you know, the, the kids watching TikTok and seeing this and that. And, and a lot of that has always been like pop or rap based, but I, I think some of it's coming back around. Um, I will say that, you know, as, as, as a proud father, 
you know, you hear the kids once in a while, they're listening to Rage Against the Machine or, you know, non-point or something. You're like, oh, that's cool. And, and I'll be like, hey, wait a minute. Is that the odd even? I was like, man, I made somebody's playlist. That's cool. Or, you know, I, I was taking them back from a skate park one day. And one of the kids in the back goes, hey, check out this. And uh, somebody used one of our songs for uh, in a video game. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And, and you know, I, I'm not a gamer, so you, forgive me if I don't have this right. But I guess what, the, what they do is they film themselves playing a game and then they, they throw a track on top of it. And, and we were on there with, you know, a million views or whatever it was, you know. And I was like, huh, that's really cool. <laughs> that seems like a way we can make some money. So that, that works, you know. So it, it, it's cool to see that and see that the kids are, are digging what we're doing somewhat. And, and, and it certainly gives you, you know, some encouragement that, as you said, the rock and roll is coming back. Well, throughout history, anytime there's been a, a need to resist, you know, the current culture, you know, the counterculture movement, if you will, all the way back from the sixties, rock and roll has always been there to be the voice of a generation that is involved in that. You know, you look at the protests of the Vietnam, you look all the way into the 70s, you know, you look at the 80s with the corporate greed and, and all that. And then the 90s, of course, with the Seattle scene, which was, uh, you know, uh, completely the opposite of what the 80s was always about. There's always something that keeps rolling in rock and roll that defines the youth at that time. And I think for a while it got lost, it became very refined. And I think now, as I've stated and we've talked about here that, you know, your 12 year old son, my 16 year old son and their friends need something different. They need something that speaks to them right now. And there's nothing better than a, than a power chord and a, and a, and a rock song or a hook that just you know makes you feel something. And I don't know any other right. Right. that does that besides rock and roll. Yep. No, I'm with you hundred percent. You know, you go to, you go to a live concert. I mean, Heck, you know, you, you were young ones too. Once you go to a live rock and roll show, it's done. It's over. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah, like, that's, that's right. It's in your blood. As, yep, no, 100%. As far as the new album goes, you mentioned that you have a whole catalog of new material that you have. How does the band work out a song? Like, take us through that process for Odd Even. So it usually starts with, with a riff that I come up with or that E.T. comes up with. Um, and then depending on what we do, I mean, sometimes it can be an acoustic guitar riff that I say, hey, look, you know, this is an idea. What do you think about this? And I'll send it to E.T. And then he'll go, you know, what we could do with that. We could we could put this this bridge part into that. And, and I think we've almost got something there because we got the structure. We got the, you know, the intro riff. We got the, you know, the verse chorus thing happening. We got a bridge or... We got some other part in there. So let's talk about maybe recording it and, and see what it sounds like. And then we'll get together. Normally we'll throw a, you know, a drum machine on and we'll kind of try to iron out some parts. Um, you know, if, if we're starting with the music and then we'll, we'll say, you know, I got this, this, this song that's about this and, and I, I'm hearing a melody in the chorus like this. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll develop it that way. And then we'll send it to, to Rob and, and, and he'll take a couple swings at, uh, you know, some of his ideas. And, um, you know, then we'll come back and say, okay, now we'll put drum machine on, we'll put bass, we'll put guitar. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of get it into a full demo stage. 
and then send it off to our drummer. And, you know, if, if we think it's to the point where we need some, some real live drums, um, you know, it sort of goes around the horn a little bit. And then, then we, then we take it to the studio most of the time and, and, and bang it out and say, you know, what do we need to change here? Does this work? Does this not work? Uh, should we keep it? Do we like it? So on and so forth. Uh, so that's sort of the more collaborative way. And then there's also just, Hey, I wrote this song and, and here's how it goes. Are you guys okay with it? And, and do you have any suggestions as to, you know, improving it and we'll kick it around. And sometimes the suggestions are great and, and make it, make the song better. And other times it's like, yeah, I don't really like that. And, and sometimes you scrap the song. Other times you go, wow, that's amazing. God, everyone just added so much to this and, and now we're off and running. So, I mean, it, it completely varies, um, you know, how we do it, but but it normally starts with a riff or a song idea, whether it's, you know, uh, on acoustic guitar or a bass or, or, or whatever it might be, um, and then it develops from there. Are all of you involved in the lyrical process? Um, I'm not nearly as much as the other guys. I, I'm more of a, a melody guy. I'll say... You know, here's what I'm hearing. And it might go da 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 and I'll make up some words or whatever. And then we'll say, here's the theme, and then do you guys want to run with it? Um ET's really, really, really good at that stuff. Uh Rob's really good at that. So a lot of times I leave that to them. Um but when it's flipped, when ET comes up with an idea and then I say, Hey look, where are we going with this stuff? You know, I contribute that way. Uh, but I'm definitely not as much of a you know vocalist as those guys are. I mean, I sing backups in the band, but like ET's like could be a front man. I mean, he's got that much of a good voice, and, and Rob's voice is, is fantastic too. So a lot of times, I, I try not to go too hard with my melodies because they're they're so much better <laughs> than normally. I don't want them to copy what I'm doing, so I try to leave that kind of the slate clean and and let them develop off of the ideas that I had. Um, where ET sometimes will bring something that's almost complete and says, Hey, I, I really need your help with this part. Or what would you do after this? Cause we got to change this somehow, you know, what would you do right here? And, and then I contribute that way. So, but it normally starts with ET and I, uh, you know, starting the song off, developing the song, we give it to Rob and then we, we, we finalize it after that. And whether it's the song dance of the dead, the title track of the new album, or whether it's Fire in the Sky, which reminds me of the movie back in, what, the 90s about the alien abduction. <laughs> um, That's right, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned how reflective you guys are in, in the song process, in the lyrical process, and, you know, questioning things and, and going as deep as you can. When you are writing a melody and you are writing a music, do you try to mirror that that subject with with more of an atmospheric tone? Um, I mean, it kind of depends what it is. You know, when we're looking at like the new record, for example, like St. Jane said, I, it, it's funny. I mean, like the way that was developed, you know, I came up with kind of a slinky sort of Jane's Addiction bass sound, I, you know, bass riff, and I, I threw distortion on it. And really, I was just calling it St. James said almost because it just sounded like Jane's Addiction. And then, you know, if you listen to the song, we turned it into sort of 
you know, the songs, the, the whole record sort of has a theme about, you know, as I mentioned before, are we alone? What's next? The afterlife. And St. James has almost like this sort of evil force, this, this, this temptress, as it would be, is pulling you in a different direction. And, you know, I came up with that chorus, like, sink like a stone, like, like she's going to drown you or pull you away from things. And, 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 you know, as you're trying to progress and move forward and, and find out what's next, whether it's on this earth or somewhere else, you know, look out for the things that can suck you down. Um, so, so, I mean, there's always, always sort of, you know, as I said, there's sort of a theme to the whole record. You know, the last song, for example, Full Up the Hill is, you know, uh, Sisyphus, which if you're into, you know, uh, Greek mythology and all that stuff, I think he evaded death a couple of times. And then you know, it's about pushing a rock up the hill for the rest of his life and, and all this stuff. And, you know, the situation he got into and just reflecting on that kind of stuff. And um, so, I mean, there, there's various themes, but it, it, they all sort of blend together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and as someone who's writing a melody and because that's what I've noticed about your music is, it does create an atmosphere, a feel that when you're, when you're listening to it, you know, a lot of bands are very riff oriented where, you know, it's like, you know, ACDCs, you know, three chords and a, you know, big set of balls where, where I think this is, yeah. you guys are a lot more surrounding the listener uh, with an atmosphere with the lyrics and the music. It kind of, there's a push and pull between, an atmosphere and in, 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 in the lyrical content, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, uh, and, and Hey, that's, you know, that's a compliment. That's a good thing. We, we, we like that. I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't know if we did that by design, but it's just kind of a creative juices flowing and what the end product ends up being. You know what I mean? Well, when you are writing reflective lyrics and you're, and you're very reflective in your music, there has to be that tone to get the listener to, to be there with you. Right to to reflect with you and develop their own meaning and develop their own connection with the song. I I, I believe. Yeah, I, I I agree. Yeah, and, and no. you guys do it very well, very well. As as far as what's next for you guys, this album "Dance of the Dead" is out. Obviously, things are starting to open up here at the end of 2021 and beyond. Tours are getting announced for 2022. What is next for you guys? So we actually were stunned that we got through this tour in September, October with, with Flaw and Edema. I mean, I, I gotta be honest, like every day I kept expecting the phone call saying, <laughs> yeah, we're canceling all the shows in California. We're, we're doing this or that. And, and it was, it was really interesting seeing the differences around the, you know, the country, whether it's political or whatever you want to put on that. Um, you know, we played, I think five shows in Texas and it was like, there was no such thing as a pandemic ever. We played, you know, half full rooms in the Northeast where people aren't ready to come out and they're not ready to, you know, be involved in, in, you know, a crowd situation. So, uh, we made it through that tour, a uh, very successful tour, got, you know, made lots of new friends and fans and stuff. So, you know, Dance of the Dead, the single right now is, is number eight on foundations and 20 on billboard. Um, so we're digging that, uh, getting a lot of airplay and stuff. Um, we just finished the new video, which came out. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, the, uh, that's for dance of the dead. And I think over the next couple of months, I, I have a, uh, a baby on the way. My wife and I are expecting a baby at the end of the month on the 29th. Um, so obviously we're taking a little bit of a hi- hiatus there. Um, and then talking to the record label, 
Next year, we'll probably go back on the road in early spring to support a new single, which will be off the same record. And we'll probably go back and record like right after that. Like I said, we got a full catalog of, of music that's ready to go. Some of it we've actually played live. And so we're hungry to get in and, and get that out. But at the same time, we don't want to, you know, overlook what we could get out of the record that we currently have out. So, uh, yeah, next thing is our, 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 our baby. Uh, and then, you know, talk about uh, next tour and then new record. Well, congratulations to you and your wife on uh, on the baby on the way. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, we're we're super excited. Right after Thanksgiving, so good stuff. Well, awesome. Uh, you know, the name of the game in rock now is to stay on tour, and to you know, that's how bands make money now. That's just the uh, the sad reality of of where the music business is. You know, having all that music ready to go, that has to give you guys some comfort that you can stay on the road. Or if you do decide to take a break, you, you have more material that you know, will bring the fans back. You know, it's, it's, it's hard for a band to tour when they don't have anything new out because people's attention spans are so short and they want the latest and greatest thing. Does that play a part in your decision on, on what you guys do in 2022? Um, I think somewhat. I mean, there's certainly going to be a number of factors involved. Family's going to be involved. The record label's going to be involved. And then, you know, what we can do as far as is, is getting out on the right tour uh, or tours. Um, and then, you know, certainly the recording thing, too. You know, I wouldn't want to go out on a, a tour that's not going to help us out if we have a chance to go back in and, and make new music and get that out. Um, you know, we were kind of laughing about this. We said, you know, hey, we, we put out a record each year. Uh, you know, with the exception of 2019, when we first got together, you know, let's try to keep that trend going. And, and uh, we were talking to a manager of one of the clubs when we were on the road, and he said, you guys trying to be kissed? And I said, hey, this guy's threw out records <laughs> like every six months. So, I mean, if we could do that, that'd be great. I, I think, it, you know, realistically, if we could do it every year to a you know, year and a half, that's a good thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that certainly keeps you motivated. You just got to you just got to balance everything. And, you know, I, I always say, somebody says, you know, well, what, what's it going to take for you to go one way or the other? And I'm like, you know, there's, there's a lot of different factors. I mean, if Guns N' Roses management calls us up and says, you guys are going on tour with them, then things change. You know, if, if, if some, if somebody else, you know, presents itself, then we'll go in that direction. You know, if we get the opportunity to work with, you know, I, who knows, you know, different musicians or a different producer or, I mean, whatever. So, so you never know what's coming, um, but certainly you got to balance everything and, and we'll see what happens. But the loose plan right now is, is, is you know, figure out what we're going to do with the next single, get out there, tour again, and, and then, uh, you know, try to record by the end of 2022. A lot of bands I've spoken to are releasing two EPs next year. They're releasing one the beginning of the year and then one in the middle, you know, just to keep that flow going. Instead of just releasing one album, kind of breaking it up. I guess it just depends on the philosophy you have as a band and what you want to do and what you think's best. I don't think any decision is wrong. I think there's justification for both. Uh, but it's interesting to see how bands are approaching things now that, you know, we are coming out of this pandemic, hopefully, fingers crossed. And, uh, you know, people are starting to get out and tour again. I mean, Myself, I can only speak about, I've been to 15, 16 shows since June, which is great because I love live music. 
and crowds are slowly coming back. Those first few shows, like in June, were not as crowded as they are now. So I think people are getting more comfortable. And I think that will play a part in what bands do and what artists do. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that. It, you know, I don't think there is any right way. Do we put out a single? Do we put out an EP? Do we put out a record? I think it's, it's all about timing and feeling and what makes sense. Um, you know, we got eight tracks on, on this latest record, and, and we just did that because they were ready to go. There were some others that, that you know, maybe weren't ready, as ready, and maybe not even in the, sort of that same theme. So we did that. The first record was, you know, an EP because that seemed to make sense at the time. Um, you know, if the next record's an EP, great. If it's a single, great. If it's an album, great. I mean, we've we've got tons of material to choose from, and who knows, between now and then, you know, one of us might come up with, with the best song we've ever done and say, this needs to be a single right now, let's get it out. But you never know. I mean, it's a, it's, I don't think there's any right right or wrong way to do it. Um, we were just out with, with Edema, as I mentioned, and, you know, they just put out a single and toured on that single because they were like, this is what's right for us at the time. Um, you know, Flaw was, they were at their 20th uh, anniversary of, uh, of uh, one of their biggest records. And so, you know, they were, they were fired up to get on the road and support that. And, and they were actually waiting for their next full length to come out. So, I mean, I don't think there's any uh, right or wrong, uh, you know, answer for that. It's, it's whatever you feel at the time, what makes it. I agree. I think each band is, is their own entity and they, they know what's best for them. I think, and I like that approach, right? I, I, I don't like a cookie cutter approach what everyone else is doing. Cause I think that's when bands get in trouble. I think bands just need to know themselves and know what's right for them and move forward accordingly. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a completely different world. I mean, than it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, you know, you used to, you, you almost had to record a whole album and, and then you go out and support that album. Um, you know, it's just not like that anymore. I mean, you, you put out a single on Spotify and, or it goes. I mean, that's, there's nothing wrong with that versus an EP or, or an album. I, I don't think there's any right, right answer nowadays. You know, if you put out a single back in the past being a rock band, people would be like, what are they doing? <laughs> I mean, you might be able to get away with it sometimes or somebody would do a cover or something, but I mean, everyone was expecting the next album. So, but nowadays it's a little bit different. And, and, and like you said, it's, it's, it's kind of whatever feels right and what makes sense for all the parties involved in your craft, you know? Well, Weed Man, it's been a great conversation. I appreciate you doing this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, where, where are you based? I'm sorry, you're you're in Central Time Zone. So we're in Chicago. Chicago. Okay, great. Well, the next time we uh, we come through, let's definitely hook up. We'll uh, whether it's at the show or or somewhere if we got a day off or wherever it might be. Love to hang out. Absolutely, man. I do appreciate it. Cool. Well, thanks so much for having me on. All right, everybody, that's Weed from the band Odd Even. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, take care of each other. We'll talk again soon.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.